<laughs> Thanks, guys. <coughs> wow. That was good. Worship was good. Microphone's loud. Hallelujah. I'm Cameron. I am the pastor here, and we're really glad to have you uh, worshiping the Lord Jesus. It is the right thing to do. Amen? Yeah, we were created to worship. And um, what I'm speaking on this morning is a continuation of what I began last week on various pathways to encounter God. But before we get started, would you just join me with a word of prayer? Father, we thank You that we have the opportunity, not only the opportunity, but the invitation, uh, Lord, that You've called us to be worshipers and to encounter with You, Lord, that through uh, You, Jesus Christ, through Your body, You have made a new way into Your into the presence, into the Holy of Holies. As Your Word says, that we have a new way, uh, a living way, the body of Christ. And uh, we just we hold that sacred and we we uh, treasure it. And so, Father, I pray that the words that I speak and the scriptures that uh, are shared this morning would enable each of us to better uh, enter into that presence in Jesus's name. Amen. Well, last week we looked at some scriptures and talked about the idea that there are many avenues or uh Paths, we're using the term pathways or uh, modes, methods <clears throat> that enable us to connect with God in a relative way. And the whole point of last week's message was that there isn't just one way, but there are many ways. Now, what I'm not talking about is relativism. Relativism is a philosophy uh, of uh, some people, in fact, it's it's becoming the dominant philosophy of our culture in our day, and that always are uh, lead to God. <clears throat> and the funny thing is that that's true. <laughs> because the Bible says that everyone will appear before Jesus Christ in the day of judgment. All right? Because some people will get there and they won't know who he is. Worse yet, some people will get there and he won't know who they are. Okay, because the scripture says, Jesus said, uh, I won't know who you are. And so there hasn't been a relationship there established with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what I'm not saying is that there, you know, all these different religions end up uh, getting closer to God. <clears throat> I believe that there's one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father but by me. What I am talking about is that just as there are many different personalities or personality types, and understanding what your personality is enables you to understand yourself and understand how to relate to others better, in the same way, there are means or pathways by which some people connect with God better than others. And it's very similar. In fact, it's connected with your personality. Uh, the way that you connect spiritually can be significantly different than the person sitting next to you. Just as your personality 
uh, can be significantly different <clears throat> than the person sitting next to you or the person you married. <laughs> you know, uh, some people are outgoing and there's this life of the party and some people are really quiet and introspective. And, and there's not like one's right and one's wrong. Correct? Correct. You know, in fact, that's what makes life and community so tr- valuable and rich is that there's such a diversity and everybody's different and we add to one another. So a particular individual, each person generally has a primary pathway that you connect to God. And we want to identify what those pathways are and talk through them a little bit. But there's also secondary pathways in the same way. Uh, If you take personality tests, you'll see that you're you're mostly one type of personality, but your your second dominant personality would be like the, the classic is choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic. phlegmatic. How could I forget the phlegmatic? <laughs> yeah, the clerics often, yeah. Um, but flag, uh, no, we're not going there. Okay, come on. <laughs> and so you may have a you may be dominant, you know, uh, uh, in one choleric melancholy, and then you get this other part that's not as influential, but still a, a real part of you. There is a book <clears throat> called Sacred Pathways: Discover Your Soul's Path to God by Gary Thomas which I bought but didn't read. (laughs) Um, But I heard it's really good. I actually read a book that had a chapter that basically summarized the Pathways uh, discussion that that Gary Thomas writes a whole book on. And there's even a test. You want to do one of those online tests, you can go to our website, www.newdaycommunity.org, and you can take a test and find out uh, the levels that you are, and also the name of that book is on our website as well. Well, the first pathway is called the relational pathway. Okay, relational pathway. And people that have uh, this uh, uh, pathway generally connect with God best when they're among friends. All right? Because it's through relationship that they feel spiritual. Or they connect spiritually when they're uh, in relationship with someone. For them, solitude feels like solitary confinement. All right? And as I talk through these, think, well, is that me? Is that mostly me? Is that maybe sometimes me? Tell them to spend an hour in personal uh, Bible study and it feels like a jail sentence. Okay? I'm sure if I've talked to people like this and I'm like, you know, you know, just you need to study your Bible, take an hour or two, and they'll go. You know, like I'm asking them to fast for a month or something. You know, I'm like, you can do it, really. It's okay. <laughs> you know, turn off your cell phone. <gasps> Don't instant message. <gasps> you know, <laughs> turn off the computer and just read. Your Bible. And it's like they can't do it. They just can't do it. Or what they do is when they do it, they don't get anything out of it. But if you tell them to get in a group Bible study where there's three or four or six or eight people and people are talking and they got to talk through, you know, somebody's got to talk through everything. <laughs> we love those kind of people, don't you? <laughs> okay, let's talk through it. Okay, now you got it. 
<laughs> um, and because it, it just is the way that they are wired. And, and it, it, they can deal with those things. Maybe that's how they are in the natural, but that's also how they connect spiritually, that if they're not bouncing ideas off other people, they're not going to get it. And to just read the book, it's just words on a page. It does, there's no life to it. And, you know, so getting in a group Bible study, they come alive. They receive revelation not by private contemplation, but by bouncing those ideas off others and hearing what other people think. And in that dynamic of sharing and receiving with another person or other people, then they can hear God. You understand that? They hear God in that dynamic of bouncing ideas off. And that's really rich. That's an excellent thing. And that's legitimate pathway. Okay, that's a legitimate pathway. Tell them to worship alone. It's, it's just inconceivable. I mean, it's like to, to someone who has this pathway as their primary pathway, you say, you just need to spend some time alone in worship. They're like, what do you mean? Well, how could you do that? You know? So like, have a party by yourself. Well, they, they just they can't comprehend it because to them, worship only happens in the context of a group of people. And, and, and they get, enter into the flow. <clears throat> and when they worship in a small group or a church uh, service, then they can, they can feel the Spirit. You know, and there's a lot of people that are drawn to worship churches or, or churches with lively worship because that's how they connect to God. You know, and then when they get alone, they have a real difficult time feeling that. All right. Now, there's, there's strengths and weaknesses. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but this is just who they are. When they pray alone, they're done in two minutes. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, thank you for, you know, everything. It's good. We're good. <laughs> you know, if I get them in front of somebody and they're out there, they just dominate the, the prayer time. You know, they're always saying something. <clears throat> All right, examples. John, uh, John, basically. First John 4 7 is uh, uh, per, anybody that wrote this <laughs> has to emphasize this pathway. First John 4 7, the Apostle John writes, Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you read through First John especially, I mean, he's always talking about you know community and loving on one another, and it's just it's sappy, really. <laughs> it, it is. Come on, all right. Only in John's gospel, John's gospel is funny because he doesn't mention himself in it. He mentions the disciple that Jesus loved. <laughs> because he was so humble, he didn't want to point out. I was like, come on, John. You mentioned all the other disciples by name, but one you leave out. <laughs> the disciple that Jesus loved was leaning upon Jesus' bosom and and ask Jesus a question, you know, because he's really he's touchy feely and community, and that's just the kind of way he was. Um, and that's that's how he connected spiritually. Another example would be Barnabas in Acts uh, four thirty six. It says uh, Joseph, whose name, uh, who's, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement. 
And so there's an idea. He was a Levite that uh, um, <clears throat> he was called Barnabas because it means son of encouragement. He's always encouraging. And, and we see that he's sent to a city and he goes gets, and gets uh, Saul because, uh, or Paul as we know him uh, because he needed, he thought this would be a great opportunity for Paul to be involved. And so he's including other people in the process and all the way through the New Testament. You know, in fact, he and uh, Paul had a big argument about including uh, uh, Mark and and in their travels. He was inclusive, always around people. And you see individuals <clears throat> that have significant spiritual uh, uh, strengths having this pathway. Cell group churches and a small group movement really is the outworking. Or, I mean, they emphasize this whole idea. And they say that this is the only way. Some people... Just like with personalities or uh, 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 theological bencils, if it's your primary pathway, often the mistake is to say this is the only way or this is the best way to connect with God. And it can lead to an overemphasis. And what we want to see is that all of the different ways are valid and you need to identify which way works for you uh, and uh, emphasize that and then also learn how to uh, work in the other ways. So <clears throat> small group uh, movements uh, really put a lot of emphasis on this pathway. For these folks, their primary pathway is relational. If you're in this group, you need to find ways to maximize that pathway. Okay? So if you say, yeah, you just look at your life. When do you feel God most? Okay? And if it's when you're around other people talking about spiritual things, then you're probably, this is your pathway. So how would you, how would you maximize that? Take a wild guess. Join a group. That wasn't too hard done, was it? <laughs> yeah, get in a group that discusses spiritual things. Once a year. Once a month. Once a week couple times a week find ways to connect with people spiritually because that's what brings you your li- brings you life spend most of your devotional time with someone else find someone that you know will meet with you maybe even on a daily basis <clears throat> and talk about scripture it may be your spouse it may be a coworker maybe somebody else that you can meet at a coffee shop before work and you go over scriptures and it, it brings life to you that's fine that's a great way to do it uh, you may want to go on a spiritual retreat, but rather than going by yourself, because you get there and you're like, what are you going to do? And you end up depressed. <laughs> you know, go on a spiritual retreat and take two or three people with you. Make it an event that brings you life. All right. Do a group Bible study. Find others to pray with. Find places to worship. And don't worry about spending time with God alone, because that's maybe not your primary pathway. It doesn't mean that you totally neglect it, but it does mean that the majority of your time should be in group settings. Does that make sense? It's okay. So the strengths of this is that you end up having great relationships with others. And it's a great way to develop healthy interdependence with others. You're good at building uh, relationships. You're good at building up the church. Okay, and so that's a really huge strength. We all need that. The weakness is an unhealthy codependency on others or an unwillingness to risk relationship even when they are no longer healthy. Does that make sense? Because you're dependent on them 
or you're dependent on others relationally, sometimes when a relationship needs to be ended or there needs to be boundaries set up, you're unwilling to uh, put up those boundaries. You're unwilling to say no because you're afraid. There's a risk there. Okay? And that can be unhealthy. That can limit you. So you need to watch that. You need to uh, uh, be aware There can be fear of man issues. In other words, people can control you. Now, often people will not control you. Rarely is someone purposely controlling you. All right? What happened is uh, because they may be dominant or influential, uh, 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 you you can come under someone's influence in an inappropriate way. Okay? And if you're relationally dependent, then you can be trapped in a fear of man uh, issue. Fear of man is a trap. It's a snare, the Bible says. And uh, you can sometimes get lost if you don't have someone else to rely on. Okay, And that's a little unhealthy. So you need to keep it in balance. Or uh, you may be unable to hear God for yourself. And that's not good. It's good to understand that that's your primary pathway to uh, lean into it, but it's not good if you are un- totally unable to hear God by yourself. So you might, in the group, <laughs> talk about how do you hear God by yourself and work through it, and that will illuminate you and give you the ability to, op- uh, to, to grow in that area. All right? Second pathway, the intellectual pathway. All right. How many think you're an intellectual? <laughs> These are people whose minds must be fully engaged before they can make significant spiritual progress. Okay, they have to get it in the brain. All right? When they sit through a testimony service, they keep thinking, where's the beef? <laughs> you know, these touching stories, they're fine, but give me some substance. I've actually had people say this, you know, I just get so sick of hearing these testimonies. Really? <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you know? Um, uh, when they have a devotional time, often these people will have several commentaries, dictionaries open all at the same time. I can actually do this on my computer. I can have... <clears throat> I'm going to teach a class and I get this computer program. It's free. And you can have just tons of stuff all at once. Um... But, you know, if you, you know, in the old days, you used to have all these books that have books spread all out, you know, so you can look up different things. You're digging deep. You're, 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 you're intellectually pursuing what, what's God's word mean. And they often write, uh, copious amounts of notes on the most mundane verses. <laughs> if we're getting a discussion about some obscure verse, you know, in the Old Testament, they just go on and on. I'm like, Wow, uh, Dan Slade. Some of you know Dan Slade. He's the only guy. He, he's the only guy. He's one of few. He's not the only guy. But he's one of few that can completely stump me. I was up there last week with him, and he quoted this verse. I'm like, "What? What are you talking about?" I totally I had no recollection of it. And he had this whole theology based on this verse in the Old Testament. I said, "Show me that." He whipped it right out. It's right there. It was the most obscure thing I ever... I'm like, I'm glad people don't read their Bible. Because <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> it was really out there. If I told you, you wouldn't believe me. 
<laughs> you don't quote me on that one. <laughs> Delete that. Brother. I want you to read your Bible. But I mean, I've read through the Bible so many times, and I, I just like so. But anyway, you know what I mean. <clears throat> so they listen to teachers. They take classes. They go to seminars as often as possible. When and only when they are totally convinced of something can they move forward with conviction. Okay, they have to understand it first. I can't go any further. I gotta understand it, you know. And, and, and the relational person looks at them and they don't get it because they're already involved in something because other people are involved in something. And you're like, I'm not gonna get involved just because other people are involved. You know, that's red flag number one. <laughs> yeah. Why are other people involved? That's what are their motives? You know, did you? Let's study this for 16 years. <laughs> Romans chapter two, uh, 12, verse 2 is their favorite verse. Says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, you got to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so they're really into study and digging apart words. And, <clears throat> and some examples in the Bible, Paul... It was certainly someone who was intellectual. He was known as a scholar in his day, a very respected scholar. His writings are very logical. In fact, some of the, uh, you know, the, some of his writings, his paragraphs are whole chapters. You know, it's just the one thought upon another. And this is where some people misunderstand Paul is because they take out this one little verse, and you can't do that with Paul. Because Paul builds one thought on the whole book of Romans is one thought. Okay? <laughs> when you study it, it's, it's one progression. And, and, and then they take out one chapter and they, it's just, they mess it all up. Because Paul thought very logically and he explained out, and that's why he was able to be the apostle to the Greeks. You know, because he was in the Gentiles, because he thought this such a logical, and he was familiar with Greek culture. Martin Luther, uh, John Calvin, and most of the reformers. Actually, on the way to church this morning, I was thinking, hey, let's think about the Reformation for a minute. <clears throat> for those of you who are, have some history, the Reformation was led by Germans, Dutch, and British people. Okay, is there any surprise? that it emphasizes the analytical, intellectual approach to life. <laughs> you know? You ever sit and talk with a German? Uh, that cultural emphasis of precision and detail? It, and, and, and the Dutch are probably even more so. <laughs> you know? And so the whole Reformation and the and the... Uh, the influence at the Reformation was just phenomenal and transformed the whole church. But how much of the Reformation was really um, an expression or flavored by the spiritual pathway that uh, the leaders of the Reformation had? And I would say significantly. And they, they may have gone too far in rejecting anything it uh, got to the point where anything that was not analytical or intellectual was not spiritual. Okay, by rejecting uh, what is a mystery and rejecting, you know, uh, some of the errors of the previous uh, 
church leadership. So it's kind of interesting to to consider that, and you know, what would the Reformation have looked if, like if it was led by Brazilians or something? You know, <laughs> it might, might be more fun. <laughs> All right, Chuck Colson, uh, Ravi, uh, Ravi Zacharias, who happens to be my favorite preacher, uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, certainly. Very intellectual. People wired this way often feel guilty or misunderstood. All right? They just don't connect with other more spiritual people. You know? So they often, it can be turned against you, and you, you think uh, that you're not spiritual because you, ha- you, know, you have to understand it in, a, in your natural mind. <clears throat> they have to know the root words and how it all works together before they can agree to something. Or other people that are more spiritual maybe move faster into a spiritual experience. And so these people can uh, be misunderstood as though they're not uh, embrace, they don't have any faith. But really, their faith just works differently. And thank God for these kind of people because uh, the rest of us will get out, not on a limb, but fall off the limb. <laughs> and they're the ones that reach out and grab us because they're hooked onto something solid. Does that make sense? Uh, they may feel uh, inferior. To those who cry in a worship service, you know, they're standing next to them and somebody's bawling and they're considering the theological implications of the words of the previous verse. <laughs> I know some pastors. Every time I go to this one particular pastor, all he does is complain. I'm serious, because pastors can't complain around their congregation. So when they get together, they complain to one another. <laughs> this guy, man... He's always ragging on the latest worship chorus. And he's like picking apart the theology of it. And I'm like, just loosen up, man. <laughs> you know, because all he, he hears those words and he, he's got to line it up to his theological grid because he can't experience anything apart from that. And that, that's okay, but there's some uh, drawbacks too. Problem is they risk being um, proud, uh, uh, thinking that others don't really love God's word because they... All they do is worship and pray. <laughs> Other people don't love God's Word as much as I do. You know, If you'd spend less time singing songs, getting into the Word, then you'd be more righteous. You know? um, or because they know Scripture better, this is a big deal here, uh, they have a hard time receiving a revelation from someone less studied than themselves. Well, who do you think you are? You know? Someone, God can use the most humble people to say the most piercing revelation. I mean, He used a donkey, right, to speak to the prophet. And, 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 and God just has a real tough time with pride, you know? It's the one thing that He will not tolerate. And sometimes people that are intellectually, uh, uh, this is their major pathway, it's a great thing, but we, they have to be careful to stay humble and hear God even through those who don't know the context. <laughs> don't even know who wrote that book of the Bible. Probably have never even read the whole book. And they're trying to tell me what this verse means? <laughs> you know, Maybe God's trying to tell you. God read the Bible. He wrote the Bible. Okay, He's just using this person as a vessel. Alright, if you're one of these folks, you need to maximize the pathway. You need to take time to really dig in. Uh, take every opportunity you can to teach. 
Because when you teach, you exercise that gift. It's probably you're probably a teacher. Usually these people are teachers. They like to get into the de- details and dig it out. Uh, take classes. Go to conferences where there's in-depth teaching. Uh, lean into that strength. Only use this strength to help others know uh, more and not to judge them for knowing less than you. All right? Do we have time for one more pathway? Okay. One more pathway. There's actually, I think, there's seven of them. I use seven. The, the survey actually, I think, has eight. There's different, you can categorize them different ways. So the third pathway uh, we'll talk about today is the serving pathway. <laughs> People who have um, this pathway, people who excel in this pathway, never feel as close to God as they do when they're quiet, quietly and consistently laboring in the kingdom. And I love these people. <laughs> you know, they just, you don't, you, you never have to remind them to do something. They're there. They're just, they connect with God by serving others. All right. Service to them is prayer and worship and study. It just is. Everything else should only help equip them and release them to go and do more. All right? So when they read the Bible, they're like, how do we apply it? You know? An intellectual person reads the Bible, goes, how do I understand it? All right? A relational person, how can I live it with someone else? You know, how can I explain it to somebody? How can, let's talk about it. You know? And the serving pathway, quit talking about it. Let's just do it. <laughs> what are you going to talk about so much? Just do it. If you ask them when they feel God most, they won't say it's during worship. You know, to them, a great worship service. Some people are in there and they're sitting there and going, these people are wasting time. You know, praying. Some people praying, praying, praying. Quit praying and go out and do something. Uh, They'll say it's when they're serving the poor, when they're cleaning the church. Uh, At the end of the church service, they may still feel empty. Okay? And people like this. They go, man, after church, I just don't feel... Other people are so excited and they seem like they're so blessed, but I'm just empty. Well, maybe your pathway is not getting in a big group of people and singing songs and learning information about the Bible. You still need to do that, but maybe you need to find... Maybe your pathway is you need to go, okay, after church, go serve the poor. Okay, go find some avenue through which you can serve others. Kids church, boom, yeah, nursery. <laughs> you know, in the church and out of the church, there's endless opportunities to serve. Okay, and it's a good thing. Uh, and that may be why you feel spiritually empty because you haven't found this pathway. Uh, examples, Martha. <laughs> People rag on Martha sometimes, but she set a great example. You know, uh-huh. uh Martha in Luke 10 says, Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. She was like, hey, this is what we need to be doing. Jesus, tell Mary to help me. You know, Martha's pathway was that's how she felt like she could minister to Jesus by cooking a meal or cleaning the house. And, and Mary didn't. <clears throat> James says, you say you got faith. I'll show you my faith by my works, right? 
James chapter 2, you can read that. that He says, faith alone doesn't save. It's only faith when it's expressed through works. And uh, so there's uh, an emphasis. Dorcas, who is uh, a character in in Acts, Acts chapter 9, verse 36, says, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. Here, this woman is recorded in Holy Scripture for eternity because she was uh, she was charitable. She was always doing something for somebody else. It was such a pronounced gift that Paul knew about it, and God recorded it in His Word. It's a great gift, but it's often under spiritualized. Okay, some people will look at these individuals and just think they're busybodies. You know. Or a person may think that they're not spiritual because they just don't get all that theology stuff. And singing songs they find to be kind of boring. Right? And so they don't think they're spiritual. But really, it's just, be, it's just that they have a different spiritual pathway. They have a different way to experience spiritual things. It's not less spiritual or more spiritual. It's just a different way to experience God and His Spirit. If you have this gift, you need to learn how to maximize it. You need to find ways to serve that make you come alive. All right? You need to encourage others in the church and in your group of friends to get active. See, each one of our gifts or our pathways actually can help others who have, who have a, 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 a different pathway to expand their experience in embracing spirituality in a different way. So, so if you like to serve, man, if you can draw other people into service, that helps them. Just like the intellectual can explain things to other people, that helps them. Does that make sense? All right, so find ways and lean into it. Put together a spiritual formation plan that centers on serving. Uh, while you serve, keep your ears uh, and eyes open that God's going to speak to you while you're serving. Okay, God will speak to you in those circumstances. Next week we're going to cover the the other four um, spiritual pathways and then bring it all together. But right now, Sarah has some announcements. Amen.